Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by Audible. That's the Internet's top provider of downloadable audiobooks. If you'd like to download an audiobook of your choice, just go to audibletrial forward slash teacherluke or click an Audible logo on my website. Okay, now let's get started with yet another new episode, and here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Here is another episode of this podcast for people interested in listening to authentic conversations and learning real British English. I've been very prolific recently because I've had a bit of time off and I've uploaded loads of new episodes in quite a short period. But this is going to stop very soon when I go away on holiday for a few weeks. While I'm gone, you can listen to all of this new content or go back into the extensive episode archive to listen to some of the older content. Um, So what about this episode? Well, I've been staying at my parents' house in Warwickshire in England for a few days, enjoying the company of my family and spending time in the sunshine. Um, when, the, when the weather is good here, uh, one of the things that we like to do is go for a walk in the local park, have a look at the old local castle and play 18 holes of mini golf. Technically, mini golf is uh, for kids, but it's also a lot of fun to play if you're an adult and you've got nothing better to do. Um, I expect that you're aware of the concept of mini golf, right? Essentially, it's like normal golf, but mini. It's like small golf. Sometimes it's called crazy golf as well. There are typically 18 holes, and the aim is to put the ball in the hole using the fewest shots possible. The problem is that each hole has lots of obstacles in the way, like bridges, slopes, rocks, water features, windmills, and things like that. Um, So there is a a mini-golf course in our local park. So in this episode, my brother James and I decided to go for a game of mini-golf, and we thought that we would record a podcast while doing it. So, why not join us as we walk through a historic English town, play some golf, and then go for a pint of beer in a local pub? During this episode, you will hear us talk about a number of different topics, including some history of medieval England, some details about our game of mini-golf, some of the things that we can see in the park, um, some descriptions of the pub that we go to, including the beer and the crisps that we had, and also some comments about what it's like growing up and living in the countryside versus living in an inner city area like South London. Eventually, our conversation turns to slightly more serious things, including the riots that happened exactly five years earlier in parts of London uh, and then the rest of the country. Um, That was a serious series of social disturbances that shocked and confused the nation when they happened in 2011. Why did so many young people living in cities decide to start vandalising and looting their local areas? 
Was it just basic criminality or was it a symptom of a bigger problem in our country? So we talk a little bit about that, about the the, the riots that happened five years before. Um, And of course, there's some mention of Brexit uh, and why people voted to leave the EU. And so we talked about some of these serious things in the pub uh, garden um, until uh, my brother James decided it was all getting a bit too serious and that he would rather just enjoy his beer. So we stopped talking about that. Um, Also, we then got interrupted by a wasp. Um, You know, a wasp, they're like sort of black and yellow flying insects with a sting in their tail. They're not bees. They're like evil bees, let's say. So we we got interrupted by a wasp, which is quite typical for an English beer garden during August. Um, Then at the end of the conversation, you'll hear James explain why he sometimes feels a bit awkward about appearing on this podcast, especially when we end up talking about serious things. And you'll see that he doesn't like to take himself too seriously. And he seems to think that nobody is interested in hearing what he has to say about big subjects like the London riots or life in in the UK. Now, I wonder if you agree with that or if you, in fact, find it interesting to hear him talking about such big topics, even though he's no expert. So I look forward to reading your responses to that question uh, later on. Anyway, before we get into all of that, let's start listening to the recording I made the other day on a sun, sunny, uh, I think it was a Wednesday or Tuesday afternoon in Warwick, as James and I head down towards the park to play a game of mini golf. Um, I'll talk to you again at the other end of this recording, but now let's get started. Oh, and by the way, I would uh, just like to warn you that there is a little bit of swearing in this episode and also a couple of instances of us talking with our mouths full. Um, And um, I will let you decide which one of those things you find more offensive. Swear words or talking with your mouth full? Which one do you think is more offensive? Okay, but anyway, now, without any further ado, let's go to the park. And here we go. So we're going to go and play mini golf. Are you ready for this? Crazy golf, or as it's been rebranded, mentally ill golf. (laughs) Just to be politically correct. Uh, Is there a difference between crazy golf and mini golf? I think crazy golf has more wacky obstacles, where mini golf is a bit more just scaled down putting golf. So we're going to play crazy golf, which has got the, the wacky obstacles. Like the, the usual obstacles you get are things like uh, bridges. Um, usually, like the best crazy golf courses always have a windmill, don't they? There's no windmill in this one, which is a bit of a pity. And we're walking down through historic Warwick. I think we're now walking underneath. We're walking underneath a, a, a really old gate, which I think is one of the gates that used to exist in... Um, it was in the wall of the town. Like This is a medieval town. In fact, there is a, um, uh, a really fantastic castle in Warwick. It's one of the most famous things about the city. Um, and the castle was built, I think, in the 12th century by the Normans. The Normans were the people who come f- came from uh, France. France, northern France. And in 1066, the Normans invaded England at the Battle of Hastings, which is where you had your interesting experience with, yeah. with that weird guy 
So the Battle of Hastings in 1066, that's when the Normans invaded England and they kind of caught the English army off guard because the English had been fighting in the north against the, I guess, the Scottish. Um, And so the Normans sort of like uh, caught the English off guard and uh, defeated the English and famously the English king was killed with an arrow in his eye and the whole thing is documented... Harold, Harold. Anyway, the king was killed with an arrow through his eye, and it's all depicted really clearly in the Bayer Tapestry, which is a incredibly long tapestry which you can find at Bayer, which is a town in Normandy in the north of France. And the whole tapestry it's like really long, really really long, and it dates back from the period of the uh, the Norman conquest. And the pa- the tapestry explains the whole story. It's, it's amazing, actually. It's like the equivalent of a movie, I suppose, from back then, except it was all embroidered into a tapestry. And there's even stuff like the, the, the backstory before the battle. Then you see the battle scenes, and they're really violent. You can see like people getting their arms and legs and heads chopped off and stuff. And you even get the, the moment where the king gets killed with an arrow in his eye. So that was the Norman conquest, the Norman invasion. And then for... Many, many years we had Norman, uh, a Norman monarchy here. And, of course, they, you know, uh, populated parts of the country and they built these huge castles in many areas because they had these great castle-building skills. And the castle in Warwick, which is literally just down the road from where we are now, is one of the best castles in the country. And it's... Um, in the world? The best castle in the world. <laughs> it's the best castle in the world. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it, it has... It's a good one. It is a good one. It's a, it is a good one. It was voted a number of times like the, the country's favourite castle, <laughs> which is not bad. And it is a really great one. It's like got all of the typical features that you'd imagine from, you know, these classic Norman castles, you know, the huge towers with the uh, overhanging ramparts and and uh, other interesting features. Um, and in fact, the place where we're going to be playing crazy golf, you do get a view of the castle. We might try and get a photograph of it uh, at some point. So we're talking about a town called Warwick, which is uh, in the Midlands, not far from Stratford, which obviously is famous for William Shakespeare. And uh, my brother's taking pictures of me here. Um, I know what you might be thinking, listeners. You might be thinking, this would be good if it was a video, Luke. Yes, it would be, wouldn't it? But um, that's easier said than done. Uh, It's much easier said than done. If I was to do a video of this, I'd be stuck in front of my computer for hours and hours, cutting together bits of footage and uh, it takes a lot of time and a lot of memory, so it's much, much easier to do it with audio. Ultimately, anyway, it's about English, isn't it? So, mm. you know, it's, well, a lot of people listen to these things while they're working or while they're driving or whatever. So, it's just audio for now. Yeah, exactly. There may be, there may be a little video extra at the end, yeah. filmed by me. That may, that might be a little extra thing that you can only get on the website or on your YouTube channel or something like that. Yeah, anyway, we'll see. Um, so here we are in Warwick, and it's a nice town in the centre of England, near Stratford, where Shakespeare comes from. We're in Warwickshire, which is known as Shakespeare's County. They really sort of rinse the whole Shakespeare thing, don't they, around here? God, the car park's full. I thought that it being a Tuesday lunchtime, 
it's yeah it's the summer holidays so i guess lots of kids are are on holiday so because of brexit everyone's holidaying in england this year apparently it's true yeah there's a lot more holidays in england because of uncertainty about the financial future of the country, people aren't so confident to spend their money on rich, expensive overseas holidays. Yeah, and since the pound has dropped in value, I suppose yeah. it's a it's a, a better a better option to stay in the UK uh, at the moment. So, all right, we're entering the park now, which is a really great big park, and it's probably going to be f- absolutely ram jammed full of kids. I thought that we'd be the only ones playing crazy golf today, but. Uh, we're clearly going to have uh, loads of competition from the local school kids. Um, all right. Now, what do you think, James? Do you think it's going to rain? Uh, I'm going to say it's going to rain right towards the end of our game. Okay. Let's hope that. So James predicts rain near the end of the game. I think that it might start spitting at any moment. Spitting? Yeah. Spitting? Spitting. <laughs> uh, he doesn't want to talk because... Uh, there's lots of people around. It's going to look embarrassing. Whereas I don't care. Um, so what we're going to do is give a little comment. No, we can go this way. We'll, we'll give a little commentary about our game. But also, we're going to provide a bit of social commentary while we're doing it. And that doesn't mean just describing uh, what's going on around us. The place is absolutely jam-packed with kids. <laughs> Oh my god. Can you hear this? It's like we've landed on Kid Planet. <laughs> oh my goodness. What you can hear there in the background. <laughs> what you can hear? Roller coaster. There's even a little mini roller coaster, you know, like you get in theme parks with a runaway train run it going around a track so they've got like a, a little roller coaster here oh, which, well. that's what you can hear James is taking a photograph so the place is absolutely full of little kids and mums and dads people pic- people picnicking on the grass it's absolutely jam packed I wonder if we're even going to get a game of mini golf at this rate sorry mentally ill golf um we will see if the place is packed out or not. Hopefully it won't be. I hope you can get the idea. Imagine loads of English children everywhere. That's exactly what it's like. Okay, we're just approaching the, the crazy golf area. It, it calls itself mini-golf. It calls itself mini-golf, in fact. I think it's political correctness gone mad. <laughs> All right, we're now going to buy our tickets and get our golf clubs. I've got some cash here. He's got a fiver. I've got uh, some pound coins. How much is it? Is it four pounds each? Okay, well, let's see. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so the principle of crazy golf is like normal golf. We're going to practice a little bit first. We've got a little. Uh, we've both got uh, golf. Uh, what are these called? Putters. It's a putter, isn't it? Like golf clubs that you use for putting. So, do you want the red ball or the the blue ball? The blue ball. Right. That's our colours when we were kids, anyway. Yeah, you were always blue and I was always red. James, can you take the microphone and just describe the scene? Oh, do I have to? Yes. Um, it's a sort of fairly large, about half the size of a football field, I'd say. Area of like little putting greens, mini ones, 
on green sort of beige like carpet type material and there's various um, kind of obstacles as you go around like rocks slopes drops little sand traps water features bridges it's quite pleasant really I'll take some photos and you'll see alright so there you go the sky above is uh, looking a little overcast and grey the wind is uh, not too strong the conditions are almost ideal for playing 18 holes of crazy golf okay the first hole is free it's time for us to start playing crazy golf do you want to go first or second he's going to go first all right then so i'm not going to describe every single hole because that could get a bit tedious Um, but i will explain about the first one so what you have is a a kind of a feature in the middle which is like a triangle which you have to avoid and then a, a kind of a bit around the corner. And if you go too hard, you'll end up going around the corner. And he's put the ball... He's, he's, already, put, he's already putted the ball. Yeah, I've got a notepad. So he managed to get it in in two shots there. Uh, very well done. It's now my turn. And then uh, I think I'm going to stop here and we'll carry on in a bit. We're going to focus on playing crazy golf because this requires absolute attention. OK, so we finished the game. And, um, I mean... Th- this should be added to the Olympic roster, don't you think? The cr- crazy golf, because that was not only dramatic and exciting, but also very popular. We had loads of families on there too, and um, because we were taking it seriously, we kept getting like all of these groups hanging around, waiting for us to finish and watching us, watching the drama unfold. I had a bit of a nightmare on a- several holes, especially when I was being watched by a seven-year-old child. It really put me off. Um, and uh, I ended up doing that thing where you hit the ball and you miss and you hit again, you miss again. And so I had a, a nine-shot nightmare. Um, and in the end, what were the results, James? Luke scored 62 points and James scored 60 points. So congratulations, James. He is the mini-golf champion of 2016. Across the, across the universe. Across the universe, the the universe's number one mini golf player. If any aliens want to come test me, let them try that. <laughs> um, all right then. So uh, so there you go. It's a nice afternoon in the park, but um, all these kids are doing my head in a little bit. What about you? God, I hate children. <laughs> I know they're the future and all that, but they're bloody annoying. I saw one T-shirt with a Mister Mister Man T-shirt on. But it, it was Mr. Man, but with a Union Jack. And it said, true blue Brit. Really? One of the kids was, was wearing that? Another Brexiteer. A kid was wearing a Mr. Man t-shirt with a Union Jack on it. It said, true blue Brit. Oh, God, that's a little bit disturbing. Okay. What that's got to do with Mr. Men. I think it's a bootleg. I think so. Mr. Borderline Racist, possibly. <laughs> I think so. I feel gutted because I lost that coveted trophy there um, but uh, it just I now feel the motivation to come back and smash you again next year so we can look forward to that shall we now shall we go home via the pub yeah do you want to go for a pint yeah okay so we're going to go home via a pub for a little pint and then we might continue the conversation there or we might not depends on how we feel you know what I mean alright then back in a bit probably so we found well, we haven't found a pub. We knew this pub was here already. It's kind of on the way home, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to describe the scene? Because I'm going to open these crisps and I won't have. have to. I'll take a photo, no, no, you will have to, James, because this is a podcast. Do you understand? Do you understand how it works? You see, all right. it's all Joe, isn't it? 
They can't listen. They can't listen to a photograph. Here, take this and explain, because I need to open these crisps and drink this beer. We're in a sort of nice English pub. Well, it would be English, wouldn't it? Um, it's very quiet because it's kind of half two. Um, I'm on my iPhone deleting something so I can take a photo to free up the memory. It's what's the pub called? It's called the Mark. No, the the uh, the, the the Bowling Green. Yeah, that's it. Um, bowling Green. And it's good. We just got served a nice pint. Go on, hold up your pint. Luke, taking a photo of Luke now. And your crisps. Open in the traditional manner. This is what you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> this is what you have to do when you go to a pub, right? Now, we may have covered some of this before in episode number 100, which is called Going to the Pub. Do you remember that? We did uh, an episode, God, it must have been about four or five years ago now, called Going to the Pub, in which we explained... Everything you need to know about how to go to the pub in England. And what's normal is you go in, you buy two pints and a packet of crisps, um, get your pints, sit down at the table. Obviously, you have to buy, you have to order at the bar. Don't go in and sit down or expect to be served at the table. It's not going to happen. This is a pub. Classic error, that is. You need to go up to the bar, uh, buy some, probably you're going to buy beer, aren't you? Buy your beer in pints or a, a, small. Or a half. Or a small white wine for the lady. <laughs> yeah. And typically you'll have a bag of crisps. Crisps. Which are these? You know. I think they know what crisps are. Not necessarily. In a lot of countries they're called chips, aren't they? You know? Yeah, but they're wrong. <laughs> Apparently they're wrong. And then you open up the packet of crisps by... You don't just open it at the front. You have to tear the entire packet open, and it opens out. And then you put that in the middle of the table, and everyone shares the crisps that you've bought. And um, so we're drinking ale, IPA, which it seems to be a very popular drink these days. Indian pale ale is what it's called, isn't it? Mm, lovely, that is. Not quite sure where the Indian bit comes from. Probably from days of when we were British occupation of India, rule over India. But I don't know why... The pale ale should be Indian, particularly. It's as far as I know. It's because um, Indian pale ale was brewed to be drunk in India, and because of the Very hot. yeah, because of the climate, it's quite hot, often quite humid. Uh, the the people who were living there, the the British people who'd gone to colonise India, wanted a slightly lighter, slightly more refreshing ale that they could drink while they were there, and so Indian, so pale ale was a type of ale and so there are certain types of pale ale which were brewed specifically for the Indian market and they were called Indian pale ale and now that stuff's really popular because it's quite sort of I was going to say it's quite drinkable which is a bit ridiculous really considering it's liquid but what that means it's quite light and and quite refreshing what I like about it sorry I've got a mouth for a crisp what I like about IPA is it's quite hoppy you can taste the hops which are used to make the beer it's quite Zingy, slightly citrusy. It's good. It's got a bit more flavour than lager without us being as heavy as a bitter. There you go. I'm boring myself now. Should we talk about something else? Sure. What, what do you want to talk about? I thought that um, since that we are back at our parents' house for uh, a few days, I thought I'd ask you what it's like to be back at the parents. You know? How is it coming back to... I mean, this isn't our childhood home. Our mum and dad used to live somewhere else, and about four years ago they moved house... And moved into the town. Like, we grew up in the middle of nowhere, didn't we? 
certainly from I mean you were nine you were 11 I was nine when we moved to that town in the middle of nowhere don't eat all those crisps so we kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere in this town where the last bus to civilization stopped at 3.30 in the afternoon. The nearest train station was about two miles away on foot. Um, and uh, and there was just nothing really was there in that town. Um, what was what was it like growing up in the middle of nowhere for you? Um, it was, it was I mean, I'm not going to say it was bad. It was a lovely place to live, but it was very quiet and not many mates in the area. But as soon as I was old enough to start going on the train into town on my own, I did. So, you know, you get out and about, um, make the most of it. There was a local pub car park that we used to skate quite a lot. We could practice in the kind of outhouse in the garden, band practice, play drums. So we were very lucky, really. Not many people can play drums in the garden without the neighbours going ape, ape shit. What does that mean? Angry. <laughs> it's a good phrase, actually. Going ape shit. <laughs> How do you spell ape shit? A P E S H I T. Okay, and uh... so yeah, we were, we were very lucky, but it was very isolated. And uh, I used to work in a local pub. I used to deliver papers for the local newspaper shop. Um, we used to walk back from the station when we went out into Birmingham. When we were a bit older, drinking on a Friday night, we used to come back and walk, do the Lapworth walk, which is... Should we give away too much? It's all right, you can... Rip it no one's going to stalk you, are they? It doesn't matter where we used to live. Okay, well, we used to do this... Mm, uh, don't eat... Don't talk with your mouth full. It's very rude to talk with your mouth full, even though I am talking with my mouth full now. You know what people always say when they say, don't talk with your mouth full? People always say, don't eat with your mouth full. Have you ever heard someone say that? Yeah, it's a sort of trip of the tongue, isn't it? Yeah, slip of the tongue. <laughs> anyway, um, so, what are we talking about? The Lapworth Walk. I've talked about that on the podcast before. I talked about how scary it was and how you had to walk past Battersdee Clinton House, which was a haunted house. Um, and um, so, yeah, it used to be... I mean, it was, it was right. We were quite lucky to have grown up in the middle of nowhere because, as you said, we got lots of space and we had, like, a, a drum kit set up in a, in a little house in the garden so we could make loads of noise. But our parents have now moved to this town and uh, it's a lot better, isn't it? It's, it's much better now because they're closer to civilization. They can just come out, get out of the house and walk to the shops. There's people around. There's more of an atmosphere. They're less isolated and cut off. Um, it's good. It's great, frankly. It's just really nice to, for them to live here. The main thing that's nice about coming back is mum and dad, they get on well. I mean, not everyone can say that about their parents. They've got a pretty happy marriage they're, and they're both healthy. You know, they've both been through periods of ill health in the past. My mum got very ill. About 20 years ago? No, it was about 15 years ago. 15 years ago. And my dad also had a heart, irregular heartbeat recently, and we were worried. He actually had a minor stroke. I don't know if you've mentioned this before on the podcast. Probably not something you talk about often, but we were very worried about him for a while, as well as my mum that time before. So the main thing is just to see them in good health and happy and um Doing the, you know, doing the garden and just generally being happy. That's all you can ask for, really, in life, isn't it? Yeah, ultimately, you know, as long as you've got your elf, you're all right, aren't you? You know, it's true, though. I can't help thinking this must be really boring for your listeners. You know, you say that in every single episode. Can you... Why? Why would it, why would it be boring? What do you think? Because it's just two people rambling, talking rubbish. Yeah, but what you don't realise, or what, don't, what you don't remember, is that 
um, my listeners are actually quite interested in hearing just two English people talking in their native language um, in a very authentic way. We're, we're sort of presenting the language, but also giving a little view of what it's like to actually live in the UK. And here we are sitting in a pub garden, having a beer. A lot, a lot of the people listening to this would love to actually be here, you know. They, they, they'd like to be able to be here and practice their English and stuff. But also, I'm sure that loads of people would like to really experience what it's like to sit in a garden like this, surrounded by these nice old buildings. And uh, in this, it's a nice picturesque setting on an August uh, afternoon. The weather's nice. There are apple trees in the beer garden. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a lovely scene, really. So I think that's what the appeal is, I suppose. I see what you mean. It's natural conversation, or fairly natural conversation. I get, I get that, and you don't get that from films and soap operas because they're never natural conversations. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the stuff that people listen to, you know, is yeah, it's scripted dialogue and, and things like that. And also, it's not recorded for them. You know, this is being recorded for people abroad. For you, yes, you. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so you might not think this is interesting. Who knows? My listeners might. They, they might be thinking this is the most dull thing in the world. Well, let's pick a subject then. Let's pick a, 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 an interesting subject. I was going to ask you um, what, it's, what it's like living in London compared to life here in the town. So where, whereabouts do you live in London and, and what's it really like to live there? Okay. Um, I live in Camberwell, which is in South London which is, um, how would I describe Camberwell? Still a sort of relatively unredeveloped area, should you, how would you say it's it? Underdeveloped. Underdeveloped. No, it's not underdeveloped. That's not the right word. It's, um, some, some parts it's traditionally a sort of poorer area, you could say, possibly. Um, but it's a very different demographic to here. It's very, very multicultural. There's lots of... Portuguese, lots of Jamaican, African, um, lots of English people as well, lots of people from all over the world, Indian, Afghan, Iraqi, whatever, you name it, it's in London. Um, But the demographic in London tends to be younger people and then older people and families, it seems, kind of tend to, or English families, I don't know if this is true, but tend to move out of London when they reach like little kid having little kids age i don't know if this is true but it means that in london you get a lot of young single people and then a lot of older single people yeah it's hard it's hard to explain it's not hard but i think i don't know can we do this again no no carry on i don't really know what i'm saying that's the problem i I haven't really thought this through and i'm not a social demographic expert it's a very different that demographic whereas here in warwick Maybe it's just because it's the school holidays, but there seems to be lots and lots of young families everywhere. Everyone you see is like a 30, 40-something with kids. And there's kids everywhere, and they're all pretty much white English people. Mm -hmm. Is that okay to say that? (laughs) Um, Hence the Union Jack t-shirts and stuff. And London's definitely more of an international city, um, which suits some people, doesn't suit other people. and London's a lot more hectic, obviously. Uh, a lot... It's quite a... Camberwell has a slightly bad vibe about it, though. There's wow. lots of slightly depressed people everywhere. There's also a, mental, a big mental health hospital in Camberwell. So you get some slightly disturbed people around. 
talking to themselves in the street and it's quite a lot of crime in Camberwell but I've never really experienced any but according to the papers there are um, there is um, it's a lot more urban obviously there's big roads running through with traffic constantly running through it in Camberwell um, it feels more under pressure in some ways where here feels a bit more relaxed and people a bit more comfortable in their own environment was um, Camberwell involved in the riots that happened in 2011? Yeah, the riots were everywhere, really, all over London. Tell us what happened with the riots. There was uh, It was sparked off by um, a guy that got shot by the police, and it was a bit of a dodgy situation. It's still not been resolved properly, but they claimed he was a criminal gangster and he had a gun and he was pulling a gun out and they shot him. That's what they did. In America, this probably happens every other day. But in London, England, it's quite a rare thing. Relatively rare. And um, the thing was, they didn't find the gun until the next day. And it seemed to move from the side of the road to then it was... How come it was on the side of the road? Did it, Then the police were claiming he threw it out of the car. But there's no footage of any of this. And some people believe that they planted the gun on him because they shot him either accidentally or the guy had an itchy trigger finger, you know that phrase. Yeah, or they just executed him. Well, I don't believe people, the police execute people, but maybe it was a human error. You know, he was nervous, he was scared, he thought he was going for a gun and he shot him, killed him, and then they realised he didn't have a gun. So maybe they planted a gun at the scene. I'm not saying this, this is what other people have been saying, I haven't got a bloody clue, allegedly. So there was a lot of bad feeling about it, and it was another young black man killed by the police. Um, and that sparked off, but it's not just about that. It's about the fact that of ineco- it's about inequality, basically, and the fact that um, some people feel unrepresented in their own country and un- unlooked after. But in terms of the event, point that towards. Me. Anyway, so it kicked off locally. I think in East London first, there was some localised trouble, and then as soon as it went out on the news, I think other areas started to pick up. And some people are genuine—I don't know how you explain this. Um, some people would probably be opportunists taking advantage of a lawless situation. Well, what, what? And it spread. And I don't think people genuinely riot as a protest, but it does show they don't have much invested in society. I think what happened first is that first there was the protest against the alleged sort of illegal killing of this guy, and lots, you know, the community where he'd been shot came out in protest in large numbers in the street on i guess what the saturday daytime or something like that and they were protesting quite passionately and the police were there in large numbers as well and it was like a crowd control situation that protest in the evening turned into violent action uh where the protesters became violent and they started um, attacking the police and vandalizing stuff right and the vi- the, the violent rioting Okay, so this is a riot now. First of all, a protest or demonstration in which when it becomes violent and it's large numbers of people in a public area, that's that's a riot. And uh, so the riot then spread to different parts of London. Uh, and it was many of the sort of poorer areas, the sort of rougher parts of town where there was lots of rioting. And even the next day, the rioting continued in the evening. And in fact, it spread to other cities in the country too. So there was rioting in Birmingham, in Manchester and and so on. And uh, so what started out as a protest against the police became sort of general lawlessness 
in these urban areas where young people were getting together in groups and uh, uh, smashing shop windows and looting. So looting means stealing things from shops and stuff like that. So um, uh, it took ages for the police to actually get together and, and sort it out. The Prime Minister and the Mayor of London were on holiday at the time, and it took them about three days to come back. Um, and um, the response was very slow, and it was very scary for people living in the town because it felt like, you know, there was lawlessness in, in, in town and, and so on. Um, so, yeah, so that's it. And and the, the general response to it was... Uh, the, the public figures attacked what they called um, like what unacceptable levels of crime or lawlessness and stuff like that. Well, David Cameron said it's just criminality, pure and simple. That was his phrase, which is true. But you've got to wonder why people act that way in the first place. They don't. People who have happy lives don't act like that. So it could you could say it's a gauge for how satisfied people are with their situation. And uh, obviously it is criminal, it is out of order, and they set fire to massive buildings. A big, you know, people died in fires and stuff. You know, bad stuff happens in these situations. All sorts of bad shit happens when there's riots. Um, and they drafted in police from all around the country. I saw police from Wales, um, north, of, north of England. Uh, they also brought in riot vehicles from overseas, I think, on the third day... I saw a troop of like three or four of those big blue riot trucks from Northern Ireland came over, oh, yeah. which they don't generally deploy in the in the mainland UK. Britain. Um, so it was pretty scary. I was living in Brixton at the time, and we went out on the second or third day to have a look, and it was all over. But I stayed in the <laughs> flat for about three days. Yeah. Didn't go out. Um, God knows, I'm not a social expert, so I'm not going to say much more than that. I don't know, mate. Why are we talking about this exactly? Because we were just talking about... um, We were trying to express the atmosphere of South London. And you were saying that there's a certain amount of tension in the air and also a certain level of poverty, you could say. Or, or, Or people are living in sort of slightly more poor conditions. And the urban sort of lifestyle, yeah, there's a bit more of an edge to proceedings, and it might not be the place where you choose to bring up kids, you know. That's uh, it's. Uh, I don't. Know, I don't know if I want to really want to get into this, but a lot of people move out of the area when they have uh, of, of childbearing age. Not everyone does, obviously, but uh, I'm looking at a wasp now climbing up my pint glass. It's a jasper. Jasper is a slang word for a wasp. What's a wasp? It's like a bee, but more of a bastard. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've talked. I've talked about wasps before on this podcast. They're like, they're like the evil bees. And in <laughs> they don't all, even make honey. They don't even make honey. They can sting you as many times as they like, and uh, they're just bastards, aren't they? <laughs> they really are. And in August, all the wasps come out, and it's it's really normal. You'll be sitting in a pub garden having a pint, and then suddenly you get bothered by a wasp who will come and try and... I don't know even what they want. What do they want from us? Just want to make our lives a misery. But it could be worse. We haven't really got any fatal animals in this country, have we? No. Compared to New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, even the continent, they've got poisonous snakes. We've got nothing, really. Yeah, but when was the last time you saw an adder? We've got one animal in the whole country that can kill you on a bad day. I don't even know if an adder can kill you. It could if you got really unlucky, but generally it wouldn't. You might have a heart attack. Right. 
um, we're pretty lucky as far as dangerous animals go. The most dangerous animals are human beings. <laughs> the most dangerous animals could be the police. Although they wouldn't, they'd never say that on the BBC, would they? You know. No, Things are, there are bad coppers, but a lot of them are all right. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not going to make any sweeping judgments. They have a tough job. And some of them are bastards and some of them are nice. It's just like human beings. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously not all of London is like that. You know, it's only certain parts. Often we talk about the south of London or the southeast of London or something. But also, compared to America, it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. The violent crime that goes on in America is a hundred times worse than it is in London. I mean, the kids in London think they're gangsters. They're not, <laughs> really, compared to what the Americans get up to. So a lot of it's just posturing and uh, posing but that said there's a lot of people that don't really want to be part of society they'd rather make their living outside of society why are we getting so heavy we're in a bloody pub garden we're we're sitting in a lovely sunny pub garden in in warwick and my brother's going oh can we just stop now um so i suppose that means that we should stop now listeners um talk about something nice for a while okay Oh, well, what is there nice? I mean, we're in England. This is post-Brexit Britain. Well, we we haven't actually left yet, have we? No. Um, that was a protest vote from people who are dissatisfied with their lives. They just don't really realise exactly what they're voting for or against. But they just said, we don't like the current state of affairs. We want to vote for something different, but without really knowing what that was. Misled. People in Warwick voted to remain. Not all of them. Well, Warwick is one of the few zones outside of London and Cambridge and some of the big cities that voted to stay in the uh, EU. So look, I wish I'd put a bet on because the night before I looked at the Ladbrokes, which is a betting website, and they were saying it was 84% chance of remain. So you were getting sort of 8 to 1 on your matter, 7 to 1 or something. I don't know, I'm not a gambler, but you were getting very, very good returns if you'd have voted, uh, if you'd have bet on leave you would have got like seven times your money back something like that um so i should have put on a ton that means 100 pounds but i didn't because i didn't think i thought they were right i thought that it would be a stay vote everyone did even the media even the people that were claiming to be supporting leave they were doing it tactically the politicians to look like an outsider voter, you know, to appeal to the outsider market. Oh, I'm so bored of this conversation already. Really? You're bored of this? Let's pick it up in a minute. Let's have another pint and see if we can talk about something a bit more cheerful. Okay. Yeah, yeah. in a bit, people. Bye. So why did you want to stop the uh, conversation that we were having yesterday in the in the pub garden? Um, because I thought it was too serious and contentious an issue that I'm not really that clued up on and it's always embarrassing when you listen to someone talking about something very seriously when they're not really sure what they're talking about and uh, you know I'd rather keep it light and would rather we chat about things that are a bit more fun and less serious to be honest and that's about it don't you think as a as a Londoner though that that qualifies you as someone who can just talk about something that happened in London yeah, probably. But um, I think I said as much as I was going to say and I just suddenly realised I was probably sounding a bit... Um, taking myself very seriously. Do you know that phrase? To take yourself seriously, it means 
to take yourself seriously. <laughs> you explain that phrase then. Well, what's wrong about taking yourself too seriously? Well, I think everyone probably knows what to take yourself seriously means. Um, to take yourself too seriously. Well, it's it's when you, you know, um, yeah, like you, you talk as if everything you, you say is really important and you kind of lack a sense of humor. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we don't like to take ourselves too seriously. Maybe that's my fault because I sort of made you talk about the London riots. I thought that it would just be an interesting thing to talk about. I think we started talking about that because uh, uh, I was comparing like life in Warwick to life in inner city London. And it's in the news as, as well. Yeah. Because it's the five year anniversary of the last lot of London riots. So it's been in the newspapers a lot this week. Um, so that's probably why we started talking about it. But I was just, ra- I'd rather just have a nice quiet pint and talk about something um, neutral or uh, a bit more fun. Okay. Also, the other thing I wanted to ask you was that sometimes you, um, you have, I think you have this slightly uncomfortable um, experience with being on my podcast because you often say the same thing that you, how does it feel when you listen back to, conversations that we've had on this podcast uh a bit embarrassing because sometimes i forget that there's lots of other people listening and it feels like we're just having a little chat and because we know each other very well we can kind of talk about anything and it doesn't matter if i sort of say the wrong thing or if i miss miss uh understand something um it doesn't matter because we're mates and we're brothers but um when you're listening from an outside voice, it just sounds like someone pontificating wildly about something they're not really that clued up on. And there's nothing worse than someone who thinks they're an expert when they're actually just a bit of an idiot. I don't think you were talking as an expert. I don't think I asked you as an expert to talk about the, the London riots. Instead, you, you were just talking as a, a Londoner who, who did have some experience of that and who was there at the time, not obviously during the riots, but you know, you were in London, watching it all on the news. You talked to lots of people about it. You'd thought about it a lot more than most of my listeners who may not have even have been aware that these things happened. So, you know, I, I didn't ask you as an expert. I just asked you as a person who who had experienced it to some extent. Okay, fair enough. It's just that sometimes you suddenly become aware of what it must sound like from the outside and you suddenly become aware of what I would feel if I was listening in. And you get self-conscious. It's probably just my inbuilt uh, self-consciousness. But uh, you suddenly feel a bit, oh, pressure. Feel a bit of pressure from talking about something serious when you hadn't really planned out what you were going to say. Yeah. It's a bit like there's a TV program here called Question Time where members of the audience can ask politicians questions. And every now and then you get someone that really doesn't know what they're talking about and they stand there very confidently talking about a point that they clearly don't really understand and it's very embarrassing to, to watch and the politicians are sort of trying to politely answer the question you should link to that limmy sketch actually about question time i'll send you the link later and it sort of explains my point of view where you can simplify a very difficult subject and it's embarrassing to watch I think also you feel self-conscious when you hear yourself because you you always tell me that you think you sound sort of arrogant when yeah, you listen back to yourself. You, you're, you're concerned that you sound arrogant for some reason. Yeah. Also, I think partly this might be to do with that experience that everyone has when they listen to their own voice. How does it feel when you hear the sound of your own voice that's that's been recorded? 
I don't really mind the sound of my own voice. I just don't like the sound of me getting all serious and trying to talk like an expert or something. Okay. And, you know, it's a difficult thing to talk about. So you start screwing your face up and sounding all like intense. And I'd rather just have a laugh. Okay. All right. So what are you doing? James has got up from the sofa. He's now sort of pacing back and forth. My my train leaves in half an hour and I need to get my stuff ready to leave. And I felt indebted to you that I should finish off this interview. And I've actually run out of time. I've had too much coffee. I'm uh, feeling nervous and I need to run off and get my train. I feel like this is a, an anticlimax at the end of this episode. That uh, it all started so nicely with us playing uh, crazy golf and then going for a nice sunny pint in the in the beer garden and now we've kind of reached this moment where you're standing there with too much coffee did you drink coffee today you're not supposed to drink coffee i thought we'd established that that if you drink too much coffee then you turn into the incredible hulk but less incredible you just turn into the hulk just the slightly aggressive hulk how much coffee have you had just one cup of strong coffee, but for some reason it really affects me. I think people have quite sen- some people have sensitivity to caffeine, and I'm one of those people. What does it do to you? It makes me feel edgy, hard to relax, um, a bit scatterbrained, uh, start sweating. Um, it really does not go down very well with me. I can drink tea, fine, but coffee makes me go a bit loopy. <laughs> okay. What are you doing for the rest of the day? Getting on a train, going to London, um, probably tidying up the flat. And, uh, don't know, after that, probably wait for my girlfriend to get home and make a dinner or something. Okay. Right. Um, Anything to say to the people of the world? Just, just chill the fuck out, yeah? What do you mean? Just take it easy. Everyone just stop, like, fighting and all that and just chill out. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, then. Have a nice train journey. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers, Bye. <laughs> So there you go. That's the rather anticlimactic ending of that conversation. It ended in the in the living room of my parents' house with my brother pacing around, unable to relax and stressing that he sounded too serious and pompous when talking about issues on the podcast. And I sort of agree. I also enjoy talking about the more light-hearted subjects and just generally having a laugh. But I also think it's worthwhile talking about the more serious stuff from time to time, especially when it's about real things like the genuine experience of living in the UK. But also, we're not experts, so that does get a bit tricky sometimes. But I'm interested to know what you think. Are you interested in hearing my brother's opinions on things like the London riots, Brexit, or just generally what it's like to live in the UK? You heard that he he seems to think that no one would be interested in what he has to say because he's not an expert. But what do you think? Are you interested in that? Does my brother need to worry about sounding arrogant on the podcast? Or is it genuinely interesting to listen to him talking about these things? Please do let us know in the comments section of this episode. I would very much like to show him your comments. I'd like to show him what you really think about these things. Um, Because I've got a feeling that despite the things he said, I've got a feeling that you actually would quite like to hear his thoughts, even though he's no expert, I'm sure that you'd like to know what it's really like from the point of view of someone of someone who really lives day to day in London, not the centre of London, not the kind of parts that we know, not the cliched 
parts that everyone seems to see on TV and stuff like that. But the real kind of nitty gritty, the, the, the genuine parts of London that lots of ordinary people live in that we don't see necessarily in the media. Would you like to know about that? Do you think that um, there's any any value in, in listening to the things my brother says? Please do leave your comments because I'd love to read those things. And I'd like to just show him what you really think. I think it would be good for him to know. And I'm assuming that you you find it interesting, but maybe you don't. I'd like to know. Okay, so leave us your comments. Um, now, that's it for this episode. Um, so as I said at the beginning, I've done loads of episodes recently, especially this week. It's, it's been almost one a day for a week. I've been really prolific. Um, and I, I'm going to talk to you about this in another quick episode, which I'll upload soon. But the main reason for that is that I've had a little bit of time off. And so I've been enjoying making a few episodes featuring conversations with my family and friends. But this is going to stop soon because I'll be going away on holiday for a few weeks. So my thinking is that you can listen to all of these new episodes while I'm away. So I'll talk to you again about that a bit more in a quick episode soon, probably later on today. And then... Uh, that will be the last episode for a little while um, until I come back from my break. Uh, But as ever, I suggest that you sign up to the mailing list um, and uh, that way you can can get instant access uh, to the page for the episode, for notes, vocabulary, transcripts and links, etc. Usually part of these episodes is transcribed often the introductory the introductory parts are are written out so you can actually read those things as you listen um and really the the quickest way to get straight to the page for the episode is to get an email in your inbox when uh, when i've uploaded something so just go to the um go to the website you'll see in the top right hand corner it says subscribe to the mailing list stick your email in there and i'll just send you an email whenever i upload something that's it i won't spam you with loads of other stuff i'm just going to send you an email when i've uploaded something okay all right then so i'll speak to you again soon but for now it's just time to say goodbye bye 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 bye, bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.